0: this is the rocky mountain review my name is max hunter and you're listening to 90.5 kcsu fort collins
1: and I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we have a pretty packed show for you today. We're gonna to talk a little about news in the COVID world, and then we're gonna have a round table about masks and why people in Colorado and around the nation are kind of averse to wearing them.
0: Yep, we're also gonna have some news to cure the blues and a short interview about the red flag law that just got signed into effect on January first. We've also got our awesome reporters here in the studio if they'd like to introduce themselves. I'm Koda Babcock. I'll be doing the COVID-19 outbreak update.
2: I'm Brittany Liskey, and I'll be doing your local news.
0: Thanks. Let's kick it off with Koda with the COVID outbreak update. All right. I'm Koda
3: Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 outbreak update for Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. The city of Fort Collins is now planning to allow religious organizations to host drive up services on their properties, provided that all windows and doors stay closed as long as any other vehicles within six feet of it, within six feet of another attendee to watch services on an outdoor display. Worshippers would still not be able to congregate in their buildings for public health reasons. This order does not go above public health rulings and any organizations that wish wish to host outdoor drive up services are required to contact state and county health departments. Those interested may submit questions via call at 970-498-5500 or text them at 970-999-1770. New York has reported a sharp increase in COVID-19-related deaths. On Monday, the state had seen 4,758 deaths, and on Tuesday, the death toll grew to 5,489 deaths. New York makes up for nearly half of the national COVID-19 death toll, of approximately 11,000 people. Hospitals in New York are in a crisis and have started sending out a call for help to qualified individuals across the U.S. for support in handling patients. The FDA is now coordinating a new nationwide effort to develop new blood-related therapies for treatment and prevention of the COVID-19. Two therapies are currently being investigated and both are derived from human blood. Convalescent plasma and hyperimmune Globulin are antibody-rich blood products, and those who have recovered from COVID-19 have donated their blood for use in these trials. There is data to suggest that these two blood products present in those who have recovered from COVID-19 may have some benefits in treating those who have been diagnosed with it in their treatment. The Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, has announced a temporary policy that relaxes enforcement of some important environmental laws related to pollution during the COVID-19 outbreak. The Clean Air Act is one of a few laws that is largely dependent on mandatory self-monitoring and reporting that has been relaxed during this outbreak. Non-compliance normally can be punished, but the EPA has revoked its right to enforce requirements like self-monitoring and reporting until the outbreak is over. This temporary la- relaxation already has major critics due to the links between environmental quality and health issues like asthma. To find out if you should get tested, you can visit cbc.gov coronavirus and navigate to the coronavirus self-checker. That's all for today's COVID-19 outbreak update. I'm Coda Babcock, you listening know, to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM.
1: Thank you, Coda. Of
3: course.
1: All right. So... I... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
0: <laughs> the risks of the, uh, the remote show. So we've got a uh, interesting piece coming up with um, College Avenue's own Anna Dunn. And it's about the new red flag law that was put into effect. Uh, It was signed late last year, and it went into effect in January 1st this year. And it has to do with gun control, and gun control of people considered to be a danger to themselves or others. So, this is Anna Dunn. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. So you have been researching a new law that was uh, signed into effect called the Red Flag Law. What is the Red Flag Law?
4: (laughs) So the Red Flag Law in Colorado is called the Extreme Risk Risk Protection Order. Very similar laws like this are, you can find them all across the country. They all kind of have varying names with pretty similar wording. Um, Most people just call them the Red Flag Law. It's essentially a law that someone can go to a court and if they have evidence, you submit a petition that says this individual has made a threat or a statement and here's the evidence. And you can have a temporary order which will take the firearm, their firearm or any firearm that they have, so it can be multiple. It can take that away from them immediately until a longer, more um, intensive court session or that they can do a year-long session. So a year-long session has to be preceded by Um, a pretty typical traditional in-person court uh, meeting, but you can do the temporary one, which you can do from a very quick face-to-face or uh, over-the-phone discussion with a judge. So you can essentially put in a petition, have someone's firearm removed from them almost immediately if the judge approves of it after a phone call.
0: So uh, what kind of reasons would someone might want to petition for a protection order?
4: So there's a variety of reasons, and the law, in the text, says that as long as there's a, as long as there's a, um, threat of personal injury to self or others. So this could be, um, interpersonal violence, someone threatening a spouse or someone else. Um, a lot of times people think of school shootings. Um, there has been someone arrested in Larimer County, and their firearm was taken away from them because they were making threats of committing a school shooting, or not a school shooting, a mass shooting. Sorry. Um, but a lot of the times what we've seen in other states is that this is used against people who make credible threats against themselves. So this can be a really, um, effective way to take a firearm away from someone who's considering committing suicide with that.
0: So who's allowed to petition for a protection order under this law?
4: You have to be either a law officer or a family member. and. The law kind of goes through how they define family member. There's a variety of definitions. So it could be someone who you're living with. So like a significant other who you're not married to, but you're living with. It could be a roommate, could be a adopted child. It doesn't have to be biological, um, but it does have to be a family member. So that definition is a a little broader than maybe biological, but it's still pretty restrictive and it will be according to what the judge thinks. So I know the Susan Holmes case, she argued that her and the CSU PD officer had a like child in common, in quotes. That didn't go through because that's not an actual family member.
0: If someone was reported under the red flag law and had a protection order put against them that they thought wasn't justified, how could they defend themselves?
4: So you go through the longer term court case and during that, the respondent, the person who's having the file ordered against them, they have a chance to argue their case. And you know, just like any court trial, you have evidence, you can argue you didn't do it or that's being unfairly shown. And it's, it'd be just like a basic court trial.
0: But if it's decided by the judge, at least in the short term, then you can't defend yourself.
4: Yeah, so the temporary ones, if the judge approves it, yeah, you could have your firearm taken away in that short term. Uh, that also depends on if the sheriff or law enforcement will enforce on that law. So I know Sheriff Smith in Larimer County, he is more, um, he's critical of the law and it would, he's more inclined to not serve something that he thinks is unjust. So there's also that process, but in the, yes, in the short term, it's possible that it could be taken away and you would have to wait for that longer court trial to argue your case and get your firearms back.
0: So, who do a respondent surrender their firearms to?
4: To law authorities. There are multiple collection places. So, I believe that the law enforcement officers will facilitate the exchange, but it doesn't have to go just to law enforcement. You can also give your firearm to a friend, I believe, or a not, you can sell it back to a dealer. There are, a, there are a variety of places you can store it, but it does have to be facilitated by law enforcement.
0: What happens if someone under a protection order acquires a new firearm somehow?
4: Another thing that the ERPO, the red flag does, is that it would, it would show up on a background check at a firearms dealer. So if they do a background check, that would show up and it would block you from getting any firearms. I don't know how that would operate with sales that don't go through dealers.
0: So it's in, a, in effect in Colorado already, right?
4: Mm-hmm. So it was signed last year during the twenty nineteen legislative session, and it went into effect January first of
0: and did this year. It passed fairly smoothly through legislation. Oh
4: no! <laughs> um, can you tell
0: me a little um, about that?
4: There was so I researched this at the very beginning of the law, so I I know about it, but I it wasn't what I mainly wrote about, so. I don't think I have any, like, names or specific examples, but it it was a pretty rocky ride because there were concerns from a lot of the Republican Colorado legislators that it was a breach of Second Amendment because, I mean, we've talked about it, it's taking your firearm away. So temporary or not, there is that removal, and that was a big concern to a lot of legislators, there's that concern with a lot of sheriffs, that's why I said Sheriff Smith, he's, he's hesitant to take firearms away. In the case in Fort Collins with the man threatening a mass shooting, he didn't have a firearm. So when they filed the petition against him, it blocked him from buying any firearms, but they never had to do that process of taking one away. Um, so I know when I talked to him, he said that he would rather find other means of stopping someone other than using a red flag law. Because it's just, you know, people don't want to take firearms away if that's uh, a very important value to them.
0: Thank you so much for taking your time and talking to me today, Anna.
4: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And we're back with the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined remotely
2: by our two reporters.
0: I'm Coda Babcock with the COVID-19 update.
2: And I'm Brittany Liskey with your local news.
0: And we just heard from Rocky Mountain Student Media's own Anna Dunn about the new red flag law that has been put into place. Thank you, Anna.
1: And we are going to jump right into a roundtable we are having about a little bit bit of COVID, but mostly about how people are reacting to COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And what we are talking about is... Uh, Governor Jared Polis least recently released a tweet that said he wants residents in Colorado to wear a mask when they're out in public. But a lot of Colorado residents aren't following these orders, and we kind of wanted to talk about why we think that is. So if anybody has any insight into that, go ahead and jump into the roundtable.
0: First of all, I'm curious, uh, do any of us wear masks when we go outside? Because I I, I tried. And then I was like outside and there was no one around and I was wearing a mask and I felt kind of silly. So I took it off and I don't know why I felt, felt silly about it, but I I did. I definitely did.
1: Yeah. So I I made my family and I. Go ahead, Brittany.
2: Oh, so, um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of the reason why a lot of people don't want to wear the masks is just because of what Max says. You feel like a little bit silly, even though obviously it's not silly. Like. Um, no, it's safe. Yeah, if that's what you're supposed to do. But it just, it just feels out of the ordinary, I guess. Yeah,
1: it definitely has a stigma around it. Um, I made myself and my family and some friends some masks just because I know that some of my friends are essential workers or my family wants to go grocery shopping. And we still want to follow those orders. But it, it it is interesting it's about a third of people that i saw were wearing masks and the people who weren't wearing masks were definitely kind of side-eyeing the people who were wearing masks and when it was just me on the street i definitely felt a little self-conscious but i don't know i think it's important because it protects people around you um it's not really for you
0: yeah on, i i think that's why i i tried to wear one and then i went i went outside i didn't see anyone around but uh, i definitely also saw people without masks and i think there are definitely more people without masks right yeah, now yeah with definitely. masks yeah but i i have a other so thing so, oh, think... yeah um okay so i think uh, something it's also that i do think is kind because of people they realize though. That they can wear cloth masks i i, I think uh, the order said cloth mask i tied some long underwear to my face so yeah but I
3: think that some people weren't really aware that cloth masks were included because a lot of um, news outlets just shared that you need to wear a mask and there's a shortage right now of real masks.
1: Yeah, they actually, part of Jared Polis's order was that it, you couldn't wear medical masks, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like he said specifically, don't go out and buy medical masks because those should be for medical personnel and people who need that that are in the medical profession. Um so I think he was insinuating that you need to have cloth masks or something of different material than just a medical mask.
0: So I have a I have a bit of a theory as to why people are so resistant to wearing masks, um, and my theory is uh, in the U.S. we see a lot of. Uh, really striking imagery is kind of our introduction to other cultures, especially cultures we consider to be less good than the United States, less, you know, healthy, less, you know, clean, whatever. Uh, and I think something we've seen in, at least I I can think of as a kid is I've seen lots of pictures of people in countries that I'm supposed to think of as, you know, not being as good as America wearing these kind of masks. And so maybe there's something in us that s- sees Americans wearing masks and things. We're not one of those countries that wears masks, and it's, it's kind of xenophobic, but it's, it's something, to, something to think about. Because I, do, I was thinking about, like, what do I think about when I think about wearing masks for public safety? I, I, do, I think about, you know, seeing pictures of disasters in other countries that aren't America. And I think it's probably hard for us as Americans to adjust to that image that we are going through a disaster right now. This is a a health crisis and uh, we have to act right.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's a very striking image that I think a lot of people aren't ready to digest. Every time I wear a mask or I see everybody else wearing masks, it's kind of like a punch in the gut. And I'm like, dang, like the world is really bad. Like we have to wear masks when we go out and it's kind of. A weird thing that people have to process
2: yeah seeing it kind of just like reminds people of the gravity of the situation and I guess a lot of people just don't want to have to think about it being as bad as it as it actually is
0: which is ironic saying that they're making it worse
2: exactly that is, that is
0: ironic all right any final thoughts here no <laughs> Alright, well with that Something I think I gotta Oh yeah, go ahead.
2: Just one more quick thing. Something I do think is strange though, I want to hear your opinions, is people wearing dry or people wearing masks while they're just like driving around by themselves. Because I've been seeing that a lot and I don't really understand how necessary it is if you're just like in the car alone.
0: Your uh, roommate and her boyfriend made a lot of fun of me for that yesterday.
2: <laughs> oh Max, you did that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I totally did that.
2: Well then I you're think... you're the person to ask.
0: I guess so. Uh, I it was, it was. I, I didn't even know why I was doing it. I was like, I look cool. I see myself in the well, mirror.
1: <laughs> yeah, part of it I think is that you don't want to touch your mask before you have an opportunity to wash your hands. So if you're just leaving oh. the grocery store, or if you're leaving like wherever, it doesn't matter where, and you didn't have an opportunity to wash your hands before you touch your mask and your face, I think that might be part of the reason. Um, but also, okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I was thinking about that too. Like my dad, every time we go for a walk, he's like, we have to put our masks on. And I'm like, who do you think we're interacting with that? I'm not, that we're not already interacting with in our homes. So I see both sides of it that it's kind of like, yes, use your masks when you're going to a new location where you're going to be interacting with people you wouldn't be regularly and touching things you wouldn't regularly touch. But at the same, I don't know.
0: No, I think you're hundred percent right. Um, and I mean, I, uh, I haven't gone into a, like, a public, public space, like a supermarket or anything in, uh, at least a week, I believe. So, I, uh, if I were to, though, I would definitely wear a mask. I wouldn't want to, just for other people's comfort, even. I wouldn't want to discomfort anyone.
1: I was going to say, one good thing that wearing the mask does, even if you're not sick or whatever, even if you think the whole mask thing is dumb, is it, uh... Encourages other people to start wearing masks, masks, and it normalizes the use of masks in a society that doesn't regularly wear masks, like Max said.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for bringing that up, Brittany. I I, I like the uh, the the question because it refers to.
2: Yeah, it's just it's just something that's been on my mind, so I thought I'd bring it up.
0: No, I like it. I like it. Uh, I think we're gonna move on though, and actually that means it's time for your newscast, Brittany.
2: Perfect. Um, I have three news reports. Do we have time for all of those, or should I down? Oh yes. It down?
0: Oh no, we have time for all of that.
2: Okay, perfect. Well, I am Brittany Liskey, and this is your local news on ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins. The Colorado State University hurricane researchers are predicting an above-average Atlantic hurricane season in 2020, citing the likely absence of El Niño as a primary factor. Another factor considered to be contributing to an active hurricane season are the above-average temperatures of the tropical and subtropical Atlantic sea surface. The tropical Atlantic is somewhat warmer than normal right now. Warmer of the normal sea surface temperatures in the tropical Atlantic provide more fuel for tropical cyclone formation and intensification. They are also associated with a more unstable atmosphere as well as moisture air, both of which favor organized thunderstorm activity that is necessary for hurricane development. The CSU Tropical Meteorology Project team is predicting 16 named storms during the Atlantic hurricane season, which runs from June 1st to November 30th. Of those storms, researchers expect eight to become hurricanes and four to reach major hurricane strength. The CSU team will issue forecast updates on June 4th, July 7th, and August 6th. On April 2nd, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Elaine L. Chow, announced $209.39 million to help public transportation systems in Denver respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. These federal funds are a part of the or $25 billion Secretary Chao announced to help the nation's public transportation system respond to the COVID-19. Elaine Chao said this historic $25 billion in grant funding will ensure our nation's public transportation systems can continue to provide services to the millions of Americans who depend on them. These funds will be available to support capital operating and other expenses, including fair box recovery, overtime for employees, and expenses like extra hand sanitizer for workers and the traveling public. Also, if a transit operator is put on administrative leave due to reductions in service or has self-quarantine, funding will be available to cover those workers' salary. For all of those sports fans out there, Colorado's sports betting industry market is predicted to thrive when games are back on. Set to launch on March, May 1st, Colorado could attract as much as $6 billion in sports bets annually, according to Play Colorado Analysts, whose researchers analyze the state's newly regulated sports betting market. On top of that, Colorado's sports betting industry will eventually generate hundreds of millions in operator revenue and tens of millions in tax revenue. Despite the sports world coming to a stop due to the COVID-19 pandemic, regulators are predicting preparing for a May 1st launch of online and retail sports betting. When it does, Colorado would become the 18th state to have some form of legal sports betting. However, until the, 19, until the COVID-19 pandemic subsides, bettors will largely have to wait to wager on anything other than futures for pro sports and a handful of international sports. For more information and analysis on regulated sports betting in Colorado, you can visit PlayColorado.com news. And that's all I have for you today. My name is Brittany Liskey, and this was your local news on the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
0: Thank you, Brittany. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, that sports betting gets me real excited because the Broncos look like they have a great team in the fall.
2: Oh, yeah. I know nothing
0: about sports. (laughs) I'm just excited to be able to bet on them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a crazy amount of money it's going to be bringing in
0: yeah seriously Well,
2: musical on my head the bed bed on it bed. oh that's
0: a good a wow that's yeah actually that's a really good song <laughs> hold on it's been a minute since i thought about that wow
1: yeah we're gonna do something that max has been doing and i think it's super cute i keep using the word cute but i think it is a really awesome thing that max is doing and making for the show and just for everyone who wants to hear it and if he wants to ensure that
0: yeah sure uh, this is called news to cure the blues you can find it on our website and with all the links i used to make it ofI19 quarantine- keeping americans stuck indoors it can be tough to face the day however good news still exists even in times like these I'm 90.5 KCSU News Director Max Hunter, and this is News to Cure the Blues. As the quarantine moves into week three, for some of us it may feel like week 43. If you're struggling to find ways to kill time during the quarantine, Insider.com collected a list of fun things you can still do from the comfort of your own home. Virtual tours for almost any major landmark are available using Google Arts and Culture, which is a section of the Google homepage. Other major institutions, like NASA, are providing tours of their facilities on their websites. Many major museums are also doing virtual tours completely open to the public, like the Guggenheim, the National Portrait Gallery, the Picasso Museum, and the San Francisco Zoo. If you want to be productive with your time at home, why not take a class? Many colleges are offering public, online, eight-week classes, including Yale, Stanford, MIT, Harvard, Princeton, and Columbia. You can even learn how to play guitar on Fender's website or produce music on the Grammy Museum's page. If you're like me, and you've already got plenty of online homework to do, there are some good entertainment and relaxation options available on the web. Broadway is streaming many of their shows in HD on their website without a subscription. If you're looking for something more active, the Smithsonian's Facebook page is hosting twice-weekly yoga classes. For parents, Amazon is offering more than 40 shows and 80 movies, which you also don't need a subscription to access. Colorado State University also has its own online film collection called Canopy, put together by its faculty. It's surprisingly large and is completely open to CSU students. The library is a combination of indie movies and documentaries, almost none of which you'll be able to find on typical streaming service. To access CSU's film library, go to k.com. That's colostate.canopy.com. Hand sanitizer is one of our most crucial resources in fighting the novel coronavirus, and researchers at Colorado State University took it upon themselves to start producing their own. According to Fox 31, CSU's Infectious Disease Research Center produced its first bottle after realizing that supplies were low and they had all the components, mainly ethanol, on hand. The first bottle was a shocking 40 liters. Soon, though, the researchers realized the whole school needed massive amounts of hand sanitizer. They began producing hand sanitizer as fast as they could, but there was no way to find enough ethanol to make enough for everybody. That's when the breweries stepped in. Copper Muse Distillery and Golden Goat Brewery have both stepped up to chip in large amounts of ethanol to the Colorado State University researchers. Because of their help, hand sanitizer production at CSU is up by 275%, and production remains steady. It's not just the breweries in Fort Collins that are aiding in hand sanitizer production. Denver's Ironson Distillery is giving out homemade sanitizer, as well as Lakewood's Balmer Peak Distillery and Denver's Deviation Distillery. To learn more, you can go to 303 Magazine's website. This has been News to Cure the Blues. All music in this episode was made by me, and I'm 90.5 KCSU News Director Max Hunter. Let's all try to stay healthy, well-rested, and positive.
1: That's so cool. I didn't didn't know you made all the music
2: for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice, Max. Thanks. I I really got down to the wire on this one. I uh, finished probably five minutes before we started recording.
1: (laughs) Better late than never.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. My name is Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and you've been listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on ninety point five KCCU Fort Collins.
0: And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined remotely by our two amazing reporters.
3: I'm Koda Babcock with the COVID nineteen update. And I'm Brittany Liskey with the
0: local news. And y'all have been incredibly patient with us while we navigate doing a remote show. We have listened to a great COVID update, some local news that was awesome. We heard a conversation between all of us about wearing masks in public and why some people don't want to. We listened to Anna Dunn from College Avenue talk about the red flag gun control law. And we heard some news to cure the blues. But we still have more to do. Ren, what day is it today?
1: today is april 7th which is a tuesday and probably the only reason that i know what day it is is this show to be completely honest but today is also national beer day which might make some people in the studio (laughs) quote-unquote studio happy (laughs) and beer dates back to approximately ninety-five hundred bc beer is considered one of the oldest prepared beverages and beer is the most widely considered consumed alcoholic uh drink worldwide and is the third most popular drink after water and tea today is also national coffee cake day and despite the name coffee cake doesn't actually contain any coffee but is meant to be eaten with coffee it's often flavored with spices like cinnamon and fruits like apples and blueberries they are often cut into square or rectangular layered pieces and have glazed or crumbled toppings and This one's kind of a kick in the gut, not gonna lie. You may be stuck inside today, but today is National No Housework Day. While many people are (laughs) focused on spring cleaning this time of year, and especially with the stay at home order, today encourages you to put the cleaning supplies aside and spend the day focusing on yourself. And that is all the National Day news I have for you today.
0: Thanks, Ren. Good thing I did the cleaning yesterday.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say the last one kind of feels like an attack at me. I've been cleaning all week and I'm like, really, today is national? Housework Day, the one day I'm not planning to clean. Oh, well.
0: Wait, it's National wait, Do Housework Day?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's... Na- or Sorry, it's oh. National No Housework Day. Okay, thank you. good.
0: I was like, I'm not... I don't want to. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Well, I wasn't planning on it anyway, so... Anyway, yeah. but that is almost the end of our show. But before we end it and thank everybody who contributed to this amazing show and all the others we've had... There's one more thing we have to address, and I'm inside, but I can feel a chill in the air.
0: Hey, me too. What is that? Oh, my gosh.
1: I don't know. You tell me.
0: It's the weather. Oh, well, now it's better. Um, so, yeah, today, things are heating up. In Fort Collins, we have a high of 71 degrees, and the sun is shining all day. You may have noticed it was really nice yesterday, too. Uh, On Wednesday, you can expect the temperature to drop slightly to 67, but the sun's going to keep shining, and it's going to stay nice, taunting us all while we stay indoors. As you move to Thursday, the sun is going to stick around, but the temperatures are going to drop about 10 degrees to a high of 60. For the rest of the weather, you'll have to tune in... Wait, did I say Sunday? I meant Thursday. Anyway thursday it's gonna to drop to a high of 60 i'm uh only an amateur weatherman but uh yeah if you want to know what the weather is going to be like on thursday and after you're gonna to have to tune in to the rocky mountain review on thursday at the same time 4 p.m only on 90.5 kcsu fort collins and uh that's our show
1: all righty yeah that's an- unfortunately the end of our show but Before we close it off, we want to give a couple thank yous to some people that we really couldn't have done this show without. So first and foremost, our two amazing reporters who, like I said before, are reporting remotely from home. So that's going to be Coda Babcock and Brittany Liskey.
0: Yeah, thank you guys so much. Of course. Yeah, of course. We got to make sure to thank the awesome people we work with, uh, like Hannah Copeland, Julia Badalese, Zay Reyes. This outro music needs to be longer um, and I lost my train of thought, but yeah, everyone, all these amazing people we work with, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you for taking the time and effort to make sure the studio is still up and running and all this.
1: Yeah. And I have to thank, uh, Maximus Hunter, my amazing co-host with the mostest. Uh, I can't say that cause you're not a hostess. Anyway, my amazing co-host <laughs> with the most, he I is love that. Amazing, that's not the first time you've tried like, to do that. I know, every time I try and it never works. But like the people Max was just thanking to keep the studio open, Max likewise helps and keeps RMR running and chugging along. So thank you, Max, for that.
0: Thank you. I'd like to thank you, Ren. Uh, your enthusiasm is always awesome. It helps keep the show going. It keeps, you know, wouldn't have a show without you. No one would want to listen to me just talk at a wall. So, yeah, you're <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and, and of uh, course
1: we have to yeah. thank you. Um, thank you for we listening. We not have a show without listeners. Yeah. All
0: right. And with that, we'll see you next time. We'll see you. We're going to get it.
1: One of these days.